What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having an amazing summer or winter, depending where you are. We are sure enjoying our summer. Finally, two of my kids started junior lifeguards. My daughter made two friends and stayed afterwards to play in the waves with them this week. Uh, My older son made two friends also, so seeing and hearing about those things makes my heart so happy. These poor kids were cooped up for so long, and then we moved. So to finally have them out and around other kids and making friends fills me with so much joy and relief. Our other son, Chandler, starts skateboarding camp next week, so we're still getting out to see the sights around town quite often, and I'm trying to figure out our next weekend outing. There's just so many options here in San Diego. I don't know what to choose. Some good news about your village. We got edit round two on the book cover. So I put that up on my Instagram account, ironmom2020. We'll do one final pass on that, just a few minor tweaks. So, or maybe they're major, (laughs) we'll see, but we'll do one last pass on that. So if you're intrigued to see what the cover of the book is gonna look like, well, this edit of it, and then I will also put up the final edits. When those are available, you can check that out on my Instagram, ironmom2020. I've also been working really hard on editing the book as well, so it is coming along. I'm really excited to get this released soon, and I will put up some more stuff as we have more of that available about the book, like the table of contents, that kind of stuff. We'll get that put up there. Okay, today's question is about balancing parental needs Um, in the area of, well, a couple things. So parenting styles, we're going to talk about that first. It's also about parenting styles and then parental guilt, which is where we're talking about balancing parental needs with children's needs and relieving some of that parental guilt that we all put ourselves under. So this mom is dealing with some of that, and I hope that my words can help her and anyone else relieve most or all of that guilt. Probably most, because we all still have that no matter what, right? It's hard to get rid of all of it, but we'll do our best. Okay. So the question is from Priscilla and she wrote, hello, I've been listening to your podcast for the last year and I love it. Thank you for all your tips and advice. My daughter is four years old, five in August. 
Her father and I are not together. She goes with him every other weekend, sometimes a little bit more. Our issue is I don't offer screen time during the week and limit it on weekends. I also have been trying to get her to sleep in her big girl bed. As you could guess, he's the opposite. He lets her watch TV all day and has no structure for her, and they co-sleep. She does good in her big girl bed until she goes to see her dad, and then it takes about three to four days to get back in the routine. She'll kick, scream, hit, etc. at bedtime when she gets back from his house. We have a consistent schedule, and she does get 30 minutes to an hour of cuddles and books with me before bedtime. Also on top of these issues, we also had the change of me getting a new boyfriend, who is now my fiancé and we have been together for about two years. She loves him, but at bedtime, she will say, you leave me for him. I try explaining mommy sleeps in her bed and you have your bed, but her issue is I sleep with him and she's alone. On top of all of this, the mom guilt is overwhelming. I came to an awakening when she was around two to three that I was probably a helicopter mom, so I've started these podcasts to learn more. Any advice is helpful, please, and thank you. Okay, lots of great topics here to get into. So first, I'm going to tackle the co-parenting thing. So this is, you know, a good for any parents, whether you're living together, you're you're still um, connected partners, or you're just co-parenting in separate homes or co-parenting in the same home, which is what we happen to be doing. And then I have some tips on how to tweak some things that I think could help fix the bedtime issue or at least make it a little bit better. Um, Secondly, I'm going to dive into the parental guilt stuff, how we can relieve some and hopefully most of this, because from what I can tell, Priscilla, you are doing a wonderful job. And in your case, as well as so many of ours, I think parental guilt is so often unfounded and it comes in, I think, in most cases, due to our unrealistic expectations of ourselves. So, co-parenting, especially in a divorce situation. Again, this could be for any parent, but we're going to talk about in the divorce situation in particular, but you can um, definitely apply this to parents who are still together. So, we have no control over the other parent. So, and it sounds like, Priscilla, in your case, dad doesn't seem to have, and I'm maybe I'm projecting based on what you've said, doesn't seem to have an interest in making changes. But the first step is acceptance, that there's going to be two different parenting styles and two different sets of rules in two different homes. If you have a decent relationship with your co-parenting partner, either for Priscilla or anyone else who has this um, same dynamic, you may have some sway and there are ways to approach it. So I'm going to talk about that If this isn't something that's possible for you, we're going to talk about that too, but I want to cover all our bases here. So if you have this decent relationship with your co-parenting partner, there are some ways to approach this. So the best way is, or the overarching message, is we want to keep the focus on the child or the children. What I mean by this is when we have any conversations, even if it's a parent who lives with us, we want to keep it child-focused, not you're doing this and it's causing problems for me. We don't want to go there. That's not going to get us anywhere. Child-focused. So this is really important, especially if you're in a co-parenting situation, not in a partnership situation. It's even more important to be extremely careful. I also want to say it's like surgery. It kind of is. You're going to be very careful, very particular about the way you approach it. If you're able, if you still have enough of a relationship where you can have lunch together, you can have coffee together, you can sit down, you can just talk um, once a month. 
I recommend for parents who are co-parenting, if they can do this once a month, it's really helpful. It just makes the whole co-parenting thing so much smoother. If you can't, I understand, but this is um, definitely something to shoot for. Sit down and discuss your parenting, even if you're just able to have a quick check-in status. If you can't do coffee, can't do lunch, if this just isn't a relationship, you can even have any kind of sort of amicable um you know, meet up um, and you just can have a quick check-in, whatever it is that you can do. You want to approach it. The way you approach it is really going to depend on the dynamic of the relationship. And I know in a lot of these relationships, things do and gelling back together a little bit better over time. So all tips to just keep in mind, whether you can't do this now, but maybe later, and just really work on connecting with the other parent in whatever ways you can. So you're going to communicate that you'd like to discuss discuss some things about your child, whether if there's upcoming changes, that's the best way to bring this up because it's a really perfect way to be like, Hey, there's some things going on. There's some changes. She's starting new preschool. She's starting, um, she's starting elementary school. I've noticed some changes in her behavior. I was wondering if you've noticed them too. Just if there's a way to kind of approach it, that it's really child centered. You want to discuss how you know that you and your co-parenting partner aren't together anymore, but you feel like it's important for you both to stay as connected as possible around the issues of raising your child and that you think that you can do that well together. You want to stay away about, stay away from, like I said, talking about different rules, any struggles you're having due to that, to the difference in rules, but whatever degree possible, have a discussion around your goals for your child. Now, the best way to do this is to ask a lot of questions. You want to ask questions from them and get their feedback rather than telling them what you see as the goals. This is just a start because you're just engaging in a conversation. So sitting down talking about what do you want most for her? What ways were you parented that you want to do differently? You know, just engage them in some type of conversation in whatever way you feel like you're most comfortable, you feel like is going to engage them as easily as possible. You know, understanding, this may give some insight into why your co-parenting is so different. Um, in this case, for Priscilla, very permissive on the dad's side. But then appealing to the side of what it is your co-parent does want and helping him or her, if it, um, for other parents, see his or her role in that, in helping guide the child towards what they want for him or her, the goals for him or her. So... For some, this may be completely impossible. For others, this may be very possible or possible to get to a place where you can start to have some of these conversations. So know what's possible, know what isn't, especially now, but start to build some bridges wherever you can so that maybe this in the future is something that you can start to approach together. If there's any chance to find common ground, do any and everything you can to find it. If there is a possibility, if you approach it from a place of wanting what's best for your child, I really want what's best for our daughter and I know that you do too. So I'd like to sit down and talk about how we can work together and let's talk about our goals for her and some, um, and I'm seeing some issues I'd really like to talk about something like that. Um, wanting to understand your co-parents experience and their view of parenting connecting over that, really listening, not just listening so that you can respond, but listening so that you can hear what they have to say and their experience. So it's a lot easier when you can work together or when you can agree to disagree and just do things differently in your home than they do in theirs. So 
I'm just gonna share my and my partner's goals. And I know I'm really lucky because we are very much on the same page. It's really about what's best for the kids for us. And our goals are exactly the same. They are to support our children in growing into happy, successful, independent adults who have all the tools they need to find and reach their potentials as human beings throughout their lives. Now that is a tall order, but when our kids are not living up to their potential as far as acting independently enough as they could, um, we'll have discussions around that. You know, we'll say to each other, the kids aren't picking up after themselves as much as they should. The kids aren't putting their stuff away after camp and prepping for the next day like we feel they're capable. Uh, The kids aren't cleaning up their rooms as much as they could be. The kids are spending too much time on their devices. What are we going to do about that? We just come together as two parents who want the best for the kids, who know that our children are extremely capable, extremely smart, extremely independent and responsible. And it is our job to aid them and guide them in that direction. And so we are able to come together for that. So that's really the goal that you're working towards. If there's, and I know most couples are not gonna have what we have, that is very uncommon. But if you can find some semblance of something that gives you some sort of, uh, I wanna say almost like a, a, a net, you know, he and I have a strong bridge. If you can just find a net, maybe it's a little wobbly or maybe it's, you know, one of those wobbly bridges that you walk across. Those are kind of fun actually. Um, but it may not be a super solid bridge and that's okay. But whatever you can do to create more structure, to create more security, to create more connection between the two of you, to have these discussions, um, short-term, long-term, well, long-term for sure, but starting to build those kind of connections short-term so that you can have something more sound for the long-term. I highly recommend doing whatever you can to get to that place. So then this is where, once you start to have these discussions, you can use that as a common ground to open up more discussion. Ask for their input first before you give yours. So what are your goals for her in the next year? And then what are your goals for her for the next five years? And then share yours. My goals, I would like to see her be able to do A, B, and C. In five years, I would I see her doing X, Y, and Z. So really just what are your goals for her and short-term and long-term and having a discussion around that. Once you have that and you find common ground, that's when you can start talking about the ways that you're going to get there. So the other thing I wanna say is if you have two homes, two parents, and the parenting styles are just completely different, the other parent just has no interest, um, that this is not a cause for concern. That as a parent who is setting things up, helping your child become more independent, to learn coping skills, to learn to be responsible for themselves and for their choices and for their actions and for their own homework as they get older, for their own hygiene and their own daily routines, um, they will still learn this from you, even if they're... um, even if the environment in the other home is very different. And the good news is, is they will actually act much more responsible with you in your home than they will with the other parent in the other home because they will tend to mold to whatever that environment is. It will get easier as your children get older. They will transition much easier. Um, Once they go from one home to the next, they will transition to being uh, more responsible much more easily, much more quickly once they come to your home. When they're really young, four, five, six, it's just gonna take a little bit of time to, for them to readjust to being in a home with some different rules. And so she's pushing back a little bit, but I do have some tips for that as well. So this is that perfect segue. So let's talk about these transitions coming from one home with a lot less rules and a different sleeping dynamic. So the only thing that 
I'm gleaning that could potentially be tweaked that may make things easier is a shorter bedtime routine. So as counterintuitive as that may sound, the prolonged bedtime routine may be causing more issues than you're actually aware. So I'm not sure if the longer bedtime is out of guilt, if it's like, if I give her lots of time and attention right now, maybe she won't feel slighted when I leave her to sleep on her own. And so spending that extra time and lots of cuddles and lots of love and, and trying to work through that guilt is where that's, if that's where that's coming from. And if so, she's definitely picking up on that. So that's the other thing. If it is coming from a place of guilt, kids are really good at honing in on our emotions and using them to their advantage. So if there's some guilty feelings in there, um, she's definitely going to tune into that. And then she's going to play off of that, which is why it's, uh, she's having some, um, some pushback on the bedtime thing. So the longer the bedtime is, I'm sorry, the bedtime routine, it's actually going to muddy that boundary. It gives an impression that perhaps she can prolong it even more. So bedtime routine should be 20 to 30 minutes tops. Tuck in, leave. Bedtime and leave. It sets a really strong boundary that we will do bedtime routine and then it's time for bed. There should be no guilt around having her sleep in her own room, in her own time, falling asleep in her own space. It's actually a really loving thing to do. You're giving a great skill for the long term of being able to fall asleep and stay asleep on her own. These are just really important because she'll become a good sleep is important. We all need good sleep. So she's learning good sleep skills and good sleep habits. And you're giving her that, that, that autonomy to fall asleep on her own so that when she wakes up in the middle of the night, she just falls right back to sleep and doesn't need to come in and get you. The other piece is that she should be going to bed long before the adult so that there's a separation between her bedtime and the adult bedtime. And it feels less like you're leaving me for him. So kid bedtime 7.30 or 8, you know, 8 or 8.30 potentially. Adult bedtime is there's a nice gap in there, 9, 9.30, 10, whatever it is. You want a gap in there. You know, don't be putting the, it's better not to put the kid to bed at 9 and then go into bed at 9.30 because there's just not enough of a gap because she's then falling asleep and then she knows you guys are in the next room. So you want to put some gap in there. Child bedtime, adult bedtime, a nice hour to two hours in between is is good. Adults stay up to take care of adult things. You know, we may be cleaning up the house, doing some dishes, doing a few things, um, or we might even just be sitting and talking and that's fine too. That's adult time. We need that. So putting that gap in there, uh, it's adult time. Adults need less sleep than kids. That's why adults go to bed later. You can also explain that regardless of your fiance, if he's there or not there, whether he were there or he's not there, you'd still be going to sleep in your own room, in your own space, and she would be sleeping by herself in hers. Okay, when we get back after a word from our sponsors, I'm going to address this topic of parental guilt. We all have this to some degree and for differing reasons based on our circumstances. So it's a really important topic. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 
30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to discuss this parental guilt and hopefully some good help in relieving parental guilt. So this is something very common. We all have it around some issue or another, whether it's because we are divorced and the parents aren't together. So I'm, I'm talking about for Priscilla. I don't know what the, where the parental guilt is coming in. Um, she didn't really share that. I don't know if it's around the divorce. I don't know if it's around the upset at bedtime that she feels bad that her daughter is upset at bedtime. So I want to talk about this parental guilt because... We all have it. We all deal with it. I know that, you know, for me, um, I've talked about this, I think, even recently. You know, I have lately, my parental guilt was about, um, you know, well, the pandemic. And it just was very, very hard to give my kids as much as I wanted to. Um, You know, they were schooling from home. They were online. I wasn't very involved in their schooling as much as I would have liked to have been. You know, I have my own business to run. I have my own things to do to support our family. And I just, you know, I left them on their own more than I would have liked to. And there was guilt about that. I wish I could have just, you know, every 20 minutes, what are you working on? What are you doing? Let me see. How can I help you? And, um, you know, my kids struggled through some of the schoolwork because of that. And then, you know, we weren't getting out to do stuff. They spent a lot of time online, I got to tell you, in the last 15 months, and I didn't like it. 
but um, it was very difficult. You know, we did as much as we could, but there was still guilt. Like I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing enough to get them out. I wasn't doing enough to get them off their screens enough. I wasn't doing enough to engage them um, in games or any other type of family time. And I just didn't have that kind of time to give them. And it was, it was I, a lot of guilt, guilt inducing for me. The other thing that I felt guilty about was, you know, not just that we got separated and went through that process, but that I then moved them. You know, I wanted to live in San Diego and I really felt like we were outgrowing our community where we were living. But it was a lot. Like it felt like, gosh, I, you know, we moved here and then they were stuck at home schooling. If we had still lived there, they would have been gone back to school in person. There was no room to go in person here because they weren't actually even enrolled in the schools here. So they had to get onto the waiting list. And I just, I felt guilty about all of that. I felt guilty that they didn't have their friends. They missed their friends. They were stuck at home. Um, and so there was a lot of guilt that went around that. And what I can tell you now, and I was absolutely right, they're making new friends. We get out every week, if not two or three times a week as a family to go do things together because exactly like I imagined, this town that we're living in, the city we're living in has so much to see and do. And we are absolutely taking advantage of that. So they now are getting out and seeing things they've never seen before. We go see sunsets at the beach. We go see the caves. We go see the animals. We go to hikes. We go, I mean, you name, I can't even tell you all of the things there are to see and do here. We went to the beach last night and they had never seen a sunset at the beach. And they went and played in the waves last night at the beach. Like they never would have gotten to do this where we were before. But unfortunately, I had to lead them through something that was difficult first before we got to the place where I'm like, it's working out just like I had hoped. So sometimes as parents, we have to lead our kids through some of this tougher stuff to get through to the other side. And what we're doing is we're showing them that honestly, like this is how life works. Like sometimes we have to do hard things. Sometimes we have to get through some tough stuff before the good stuff shows up. So whether it's, you know, working on our schoolwork and learning a new skill and, you know, something that we hate, they don't like, like some sort of math skill or reading about history or whatever it is, we get through the tough stuff and the reward will come with the hard work. The reward will come with the sacrifice. And so, you know, anytime we're putting down our boundaries with our children, as long as they're healthy boundaries, they're respectful boundaries, we know this is what's good for them for the long term, you know, setting a good solid bedtime, teaching them how to be independent at bedtime, to fall asleep on their own, um, you know, that they have to, as they get older, things like it's bedtime and it's time to go to bed. That's, you know, what happens when they get a little older. Once they are able to fall asleep on their own in their own room, then it's like they want to stay up, right? They want to stay up later. They want to do things. They don't want to miss out. But we're setting that boundary. Like we have to be up at seven. I need you in bed by nine. And you're just setting really solid boundaries out of love, out of respect, out of care, out of knowing that this is what's best for them to learn really healthy habits for the long term. Um, we're teaching them, you know, just putting our foot down when it comes to things where they may get upset and they may have a tantrum or may have a meltdown over it when they're little about wanting a certain treat or wanting to buy something at the store or, you know, wanting to stay at the park longer. But, you know, we need them to understand that we are in charge. We're being respectful. We're giving them 
every opportunity to have great experiences, to experience our love and our connection. But when it's time to go to bed or when it's time to leave the park or when it's time to leave the play date or when it's time to do our homework or whatever it is, or when it's time to practice something that we are doing this with, um, out of love and out of care. And so, um, you know, I feel like we as parents don't need to feel guilty about our children's upset. So we are responsible to our children, but we're not responsible for our children. If, um, let me uh, do a little bit better job with that. I've talked about this in the podcast in the past. We are responsible to our children's emotions, to teach them better ways, to teach them boundaries, to teach them respect, to teach them good communication. But we are not responsible for their reactions, for their emotions. They are responsible for their emotions. We are responsible to teach them ways to deal with those emotions because life has circumstances, life has consequences. And so they need to know how to live in a world that has rules and boundaries and expectations of them. And, you know, they don't just get to show up to class whenever they want. When they go to college, they have to go with the, with the schedule that works and that is put out for them. They have to show up on time. They need to do their work if they want to get a good grade. You know, they need to learn how to eat healthy, to have a good bedtime and how to sleep well and how to, you know, read their body's cues for hunger and for sleep and the needs that they have. And we are teaching them all of those things. We're teaching them how to take care of their bodies. We're teaching them how to brush their teeth, how to get dressed, how to stay clean. Um, And as they age, more and more skills for life skills. So this is a big responsibility. And so we are in charge of all of that. And so giving ourselves that credit for when we're doing those things. So giving ourselves credit for teaching our children these skills rather than feeling bad that they're not happy about the skills that we're teaching them. And I think this is where we really need to um, try not to feel so guilty about all of those things, that we're actually knowing that we're doing the right thing for them, that we're doing the best thing for them. And I've even said that to my kids in the past when they've really struggled with some of the things I've put down for them, especially my oldest. We've had some struggles with that more than the other two. But, you know, I talk about, I, you know, I understand this doesn't make you feel very happy and that's not my intent. You know, I don't want you to be unhappy, but I also, I do these things because I love you. I do these things because I want you to get out in the world and be able to make really good decisions for yourself so that you're not struggling when you're 18 and 19 and 20 and 25 with silly little things like, Um, knowing how to take care of yourself well, knowing how to set good boundaries for yourself. So I'm teaching you those things now because I love you, not because I'm trying to be mean. So I have those exact conversations and believe it or not, they do listen to those conversations. They do take it in. Doesn't mean that they're thrilled about it, but so many times, I can't tell you how many times that has really calmed my son down and make him realize like, okay, she's right. I know she loves me. I know she wants what's best for me. I know that's why she's doing this. And he trusts me. He knows that I know what I'm talking about. He knows that I know that I'm doing the right thing. And he also, I respect him a lot, all my kids, to make some really good decisions for themselves. But when they don't, that's when I step in. So if I feel like they're spending too much time on their screens, they're not making good healthy choices with food, I step in and that's when I'm like, you know what, I need to help you make these choices. So if snack times, they're grabbing too much, when they're grabbing too many crackers or things that aren't like fresh fruits and veggies, I step in and I'm like, 
I need you to eat some fresh fruits and veggies before you get into the cabinet and start taking out the veggie straws or the crackers. Just, I just keep, you know, guiding them, keep refocusing them into the right direction. So when you're doing these types of things as a parent, when you know you're doing the right thing for the long term, I'm hoping that you can relieve that guilt on yourself for your child's reactions and emotions around the things that you're trying to do for them that are absolutely positive. So hopefully that all helps. Um, a couple of classes you may find helpful for this, uh, parenting as oh, parenting as a couple. So if you're in a coupled relationship, parenting as a couple, and talks about different parenting styles or way, different ways different parents ha may handle different situations, why that can be a really positive thing, um, how you can step out of when the other parent is having an interaction with one of the children, and then the only time that you may want to step in or talk to that parent, and then how to work together after the fact if you feel like they could have handled it better. So it's really how to work together as a team. Then, of course, I have my series on co-parenting through divorce, and then I have two classes on peaceful parenting. So I feel like this kind of fits in here with the parental guilt, but peaceful parenting part one is really about taking care of yourself as a parent. Peaceful parenting part two is when your child is really struggling or things are a mess or things are chaotic, how you can pull that back, how you can find some peace and just move forward in the moment without getting um, you know, pulled into the chaos yourself. Then of course, all the discipline classes, positive discipline classes that help with these strong, um, respectful communications, building these really strong relationships as you move through toddlerhood, elementary, and into the adolescent years, keeping that really strong relationship, which is so, so important once you get to those adolescent years of having that super strong foundations. Bedtimes and nighttimes for infants and toddlers, also healthy eating, preschool and beyond, and for infants and toddlers, if you're working on some, setting some good boundaries around good, healthy, habits and daily schedules. 60 plus classes on demand on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.